Hey everyone, my name is Allison Coffey. Uh, this is White Lotus Radio, a podcast all about the legend of Korra and other stuff. Uh, I lost track of my sentence there, but it's here to save me as my co-host, Nora. Hi, I'm Nora. She's Nora. It's true. Um, today on the on the podcast, after a little bit of a break, uh, we're doing, what are we doing? We're doing Civil Wars, part ones, parts one and two, the third and fourth episodes of book two of Korra. For some reason, I thought this was episodes five and six in my head, mm-hmm. but that's not true. Did you watch episodes three and four? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I got very worried that we were just going to talk about different episodes of the TV show. <laughs> no, I watched the right episodes. I just thought that we were farther along than we were. No. We're season two starting a little slow for White Lotus. Uh but that's alright. Um I had another sentence and I lost it. We're feeling good today, y'all. We're feeling great. Um <laughs> It's all good. So there's kind of two plot lines in this one, in this two parter. Mm-hmm. And I thought we could just um kind of just talk about one, then talk about the other. And then I guess end the end the show. Um, that sounds like a good plan. So the the meat the main part of this then is um you will be shocked to learn a uh, civil war. Well, hold um, on now, there was no setup for that. Uh, I think he, so. Do you remember? Do you remember the um, last episode we watched where? The Northern Water Tribe invaded the Southern Water Tribe. Uh-huh. For some reason, and I, I don't know, I couldn't really connect the dots on this one for some reason, but it led to a civil war. Wait, is that why the episodes are called Civil Wars Part 1 and 2? No, um, it's called Civil Wars Parts 1 and 2 because someone in this episode literally says something like, the South is... Oh, what is... Korra says something that was like, the South just wants their rights or something. Oh, I should have written it down. This is just part one of the Civil War, Varric. <laughs> so... So, the episode opens, and like I say, there'd been the invasion... And, 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 and... Um, I'm gonna be honest. I haven't mm-hmm. seen episode three in two weeks. But I did watch episode four this morning. Well, if it makes you feel better, I had saw episode three an hour ago, and I'm struggling. But that's all right. <laughs> so episode three starts with, um... They're in, um... Tan Rock, that's Cora's father, um in his house and they're talking about what to do about the about the north um and Tonrock is kind of split Korra is trying to defend Unalak because she is very easily manipulated into believing everything he says um and thinks he just has everyone's best intentions at heart for no apparent reason 
and Varric, aka Elon, um, wants to start a war to protect his wealth. Mm-hmm. Are you saying um, that there's a there's like a uh, an industrialist, uh, like a, a wealthy freelance capitalist, who's going to protect his wealth by inciting war in another culture? I'm saying that for once in this show, there wasn't a completely spineless political thing. <laughs> it wasn't great, but it wasn't completely spineless. Until it becomes Until it was. <laughs> they hold it for an entire six minutes. This show seems to have a different idea of what an avatar's duty is than the first show does. Yeah, yeah. I... I don't know. I think maybe a lot of this episode, at least the Water Tribe storyline, is a. I think it's trying to be about what the Avatar's duty is, but doesn't ever get there. <laughs> they keep telling Korra that she needs to be neutral. Mm hmm. But. As the Avatar. Is the Avatar's job. Is the Avatar's job to keep peace? Is it to mediate? Is it to stand up for what's right? And it, like... Literally, what are, is the Avatar's job, actually? People are stating things at Korra, but none of it feels that weighty. Not, like... Yeah, just... Uh, it, uh, it all kind of feels empty. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Um, it feels like they're leaving blanks in what the Avatar's responsibilities are, because you saw the other show. Right. You right. can infer. But also, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. So Korra goes to Unalak, and Unalak then states that it's her job to keep the peace, um, and it's her job to stop the war, and that he will make no attempts to help her stop the war, even though, like... He pretty clearly has all the power in this scenario, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's just he's a villain. manipulating her. And she just goes for it. Korra talks to Mako. Mako tries to be a good boyfriend. He's still a moron. Um, they go to dinner with Bolin, Eska, and Desna. Uh... What happens in this episode? I watched it an hour ago. <laughs> right. So, at the Southern Air Temple. Okay, yeah. But this, okay, this storyline was not great, but a lot more engaging to me for some reason. Even though it's not what the show is. Like, the show is about the water temp water tribe stuff. So, at the Southern Air Temple, on their vacation, their, they made their stop last time. And Iki disappears. And Tenzin, Kia, Kaya, and Bumi uh, go out and start looking for her and have a huge, big argument about their relationship and their relationship with Aang and how none of them feel on the same page with anything. And it's all sibling stuff, but I want to call out that the idea of the equalists and how uh, bending 
exists as a form of privilege is so outside of this season that it's just taken as a, a, a character flaw that Boomy would want to do things for himself without help from vendors. Yeah. Yeah. You, you never accept that there's stuff you can't do. Well, you can't, Boomy. It's like non-bending is treated like a disability, and it's weird and shitty, and <laughs> it sucks. Just accept that we're better than you, Boomy. And, like, they literally just had a whole season about this, and they're just going to blow that off in one little thing. There's, like, a bit where um, they're all trying to descend a waterfall, and Kaya and Tenzin just do it, and um, Boomy tries to go down and hurts himself, and it's just, like, it's so... Did the last season not happen? What's going on? <laughs> I mean, I mean, what do you mean? They they beat Amon. They did beat Amon. Um, so I guess non-benders just have to go back to having ass lives? Hey, you know, they never said that they repealed the laws that, uh, uh, Tarlock. Tarlock? Tarlock, Tarlock. yeah. Tarlock. <laughs> <laughs> I got confused. <laughs> um, they never said that they got rid of those shitty, like, curfew laws. I assume they did. I feel like that's, like, a pretty solid assumption. Mm, I mean, like, they probably got rid of the ones that Tarlock put in place. I don't think the situation for non-vendors has gotten any There's not a better. council anymore, so we don't know. It's just a precedent. Isn't the is the mayor a non-bender? What's that? There's a mayor now who we just don't know anything about. A mayor. The mayor of Republic City, because they got rid of the council and put in a mayor. No, it's a, he's a president. He's a president. He's call, they're they call him the president. Like in Sonic the Hedgehog. Like in Shadow the Hedgehog. Oh yeah, like in Shadow the Hedgehog. Can you see all um, of me? Step into my mystery. <laughs> Step inside and hold on for dear life. <laughs> um, so the so the Kaya, Boomy, Tenzin stuff is um, like, real heavy-handed throughout this. Um, and that's kind of what I didn't like about it. But it was at least any character work at all, which the show has not been great at. Okay, look. Let's talk about Avatar The Last Airbender for a minute. Hold on before we do that. Let's talk about yeah. 2018 for a second. Okay. This season did not come out in 2018, obviously. It came no, out in 2013. So back in 2013, we were not, I don't think... I'm Googling 2013. That was 20 years ago. I don't know what happened in 2013. Well, we were not yet oversaturated with dads 2013 was the international year of quinoa okay nice. <laughs> but we were not so oversaturated with dad narratives mm -hmm. we are oversaturated with dad narratives at this point i feel like what i don't know 
what you could mean. Boy. <laughs> Is it... Are there any, like, video games that you could cite as an example of uh, dads in 2018? Sometimes the dad is bad. (laughs) You would not understand. Huh? I I watched 30 minutes of that game today. You watched the best 30 minutes of that game, I bet. (laughs) Yeah, true. True. But other other than God of War, I just don't think there are any dad narratives in... um, I just low-key like the ending of God of War. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, like... <laughs> I tried to move on, Nick, and, and I'm sorry, listeners. Are there any other dads? Let's talk about dads. Um, sorry, I got distracted for a sec. Somebody's dying dads. in your apartment, or whatever. So I'm recording in here, and, like... Like, three eight-year-olds just set up an Xbox about 12 feet away from me, so that's going to be... Oh, nice. Yeah. That's going to be something. Anyway, we're gonna f- we're all on this journey together, podcast listeners. But my point is, we have to talk about Aang. We have to talk about... We have to talk about Aang. Aang. We have to Aang talk about a, dads. Aang's Tenzin. a bad dad. They made Aang a bad dad, which was... An Underst- interesting choice. Understandable. Aang was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was also 12. <laughs> Aang. Wow, there's a voice crack for you. Um, Aang was an idiot um, who, at the age of 12, uh, fought a war by himself. And. Totally alone. No help from friend. I mean, you. I know I'm exaggerating, but like. Literally, the weight of the world was on his shoulders. He got into a fist fight with Hitler. He got into a fist fight with Hitler. And then he got into a soul fist fight with Hitler. He, like, talked to a turtle one time. A real big one. Real big turtle. Absolute Um, unit. (laughs) Absolute turret. (laughs) (laughs) And, like... I don't know. I don't feel great about the choice to make Aang the worst dad, but I thought it was an interesting choice at least. I guess. And like, I mean, it gives them a chance to do their favorite thing, which is heavy-handedly talk about the previous show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Tenzin feels like his siblings never liked him, um, but he had a great relationship with Aang, whereas mm-hmm. Kaya and Bumi felt like Aang never really cared about them. Because Aang spent, like, his whole time um, just basically only raising um, Tenzin because he wanted to, like, keep the airbending stuff going, and Bumi was a non-bender, Kaya was a waterbender. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was so focused on preserving airbending culture that he just kind of ignored his other two kids. Yeah. I don't know if we mentioned this. All this happens while they are um, on the search for um, Iki, um, mm-hmm. Tenzin's middle daughter, who was getting teased by the other two kids and decided to run off. And at the end of their argument, Kaya and Bumi leave and go back to the temple. Right. So they go back to the temple and 
Tenzin finds Iki. Nope. And nope. Not yet. Okay, That's you the go next then. Episode. But we have okay. to finish off what happens with Korra in this episode. Right. Which is that right. after Varric tries to incite this civil war, there's an attempt to kidnap Unalak that Korra thwarts. And she thinks that her father is doing it. And at the end, when she pulls the mask off the person abducting Unalak, it is not her father. Yeah. And she's there's relief and everything, and she, uh, you know, beats up everybody who's doing the bad, um, saves She Unalak, really does home. a cop. She, she also a, Naruto runs. She Naruto um, runs. She. I got a runs. gif of it, but it's too big to put on Twitter, so we'll figure that out. Naruto's a cop. And then... Naruto is a cop. I don't know. Or is a cop. Don't at me. I think Naruto is a cop. I haven't seen that show in 10 years. Actually, at us and tell us if Naruto is a cop, because I don't know. (laughs) Naruto is a president. Oh, right. Naruto does become a president. I haven't seen that show. It's like the mega cop. Yeah. So, yeah. No more cop. Sorry. Boruto's dad is who we're talking about. Um, so that's the end of the first part of this two-parter. Not quite, because then, like, after that, um, after that, the, um, what is it? What is it? I totally blanked suddenly. Well, she's talking to her parents. Right. And Unalak then just arrests her dad anyway, because, um, why have, like, a moment of relief. Why, like, why, like, have this moment where everything turns out okay if you don't just undercut it immediately for no great reason? You can't not end an episode with tension. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, they don't just arrest her dad, they arrest her mom as well. Yeah, even though she had nothing to do with it at all. And that brings us into Civil Wars Part D, mm-hmm. which I just watched oh, I click. a while ago. Yeah, I watched it even more recently than I watched Episode Three. I should hope so. <laughs> okay, so in this episode, a couple of things happen. One, Varric give poops out a bunch of money and gives it to Bolin. Wait, that is at the end? That is at the end? We have nope, we cannot that is jump. at the beginning. Oh, I remembered at the end. That's the right, setup to that twice. genius fucking punchline. God. We okay, we haven't talked about Varric. So also Unalak is looking for Varric, and um Varric is hiding inside a platypus bear, uh a taxidermied platypus bear. Mm-hmm. Or maybe fursuit. <laughs> <laughs> Might just be a fursuit. Might just be a fursuit. Eric's a furry, confirmed. Mm-hmm. So is Julie. Yeah, they're like they're like drifting in the fursuit. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Varric in general? Fuck him. I mean, he's awful, but I love him. No, fuck him. <laughs> do you like not even enjoy his presence in this show? I hate him. Every joke he tells is bad. I know, and I kind of like it. I hate this fucking, like, aha, I'm quirky. 
<laughs> I fucking hate it. It's garbage. It's so over the top. Ah, son, it's... here's how you treat crazy women. Ah. <laughs> Fuck off. Eric is 100% an MRA. He is 100% a pickup artist. He has some videos on YouTube that you should watch. I don't know about all of that. He's definitely a fucking libertarian. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's fucking cryptocurrency as fuck. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what cryptocurrency is in the Avatar world. Spirit bucks. <laughs> I want you to go hit these spirits for a while. If you just let this, let enough spirits... Uh, habitate in these stones. You just gotta, like, put a bunch of spirits into them. It's very resource-intensive, I understand. <laughs> but just put a bunch of spirits into these rocks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck Can you then buy, like, black market goods? This is nothing. This is nothing. Fuck Varric. He's a bad character, and he mistreats uh, Julie... Yeah. Anyway. Um, so Varric is going to be a key figure throughout this episode. Uh, Unawak wants to just put um, Tonrock and all the other Southern Water Tribe people to death. Uh, Korra convinces him, no, we should have a trial. And it is basically a show trial, and it is the most obvious thing in the world, and it takes Korra the rest of the episode to figure that out. See, here's what happened. The judge rules that they are guilty and they should be put to death, except for Korra's mom, who's innocent. Mm -hmm. Unalak uh, is so kind-hearted that he requests a lessening of the sentence, which the judge agrees to and, makes, and decides that they should um, be sentenced to life in prison. Right. The judge then leaves. Korra, angry at this verdict, just assaults the judge. Yeah. Yeah. There was, this a, was a scene. There was a scene where Varric said, "Oh, the judge is probably corrupt," but Korra wasn't there for that. Mm-hmm. And Korra has no ability to detect when someone lies to her. But you know what just, she can do. She can put your head in a polar bear dog's mouth. She's good at threatening, and so she, she like wrecks the judge's car, and threatens him, and he just immediately gives up everything. And it turns out, yes, he was a corrupt judge. Um, oh, and don't worry, he gives you some exposition too. Because the other thing that was the most obvious thing in the world is that um, Tonrock did not mess everything up for the Northern Water Tribe all those years ago. Unalak set it all up so that he could get power. Mm-hmm. And once again, everyone watching the show knew it. I'm pretty sure most people in the show could have figured it out. However, Korra has no ability to detect when she's being lied to. Because it's pretty convenient for the plot when she can't do that. I mean, she just she's not proficient she's not proficient in insight. So No. I think she just busts her dad out of jail after that. Is that right? She talks to someone. I think she or just goes and busts, out of, busts all of them out of jail. 
And they she leave. tries to. She tries to. Um, Unalak is like, "Ha! I betrayed you." They're on a boat uh, to the Northern Water Tribe. He's like, "I tricked you, idiot." Yeah, but um. And she's like, "Oh, you went in a boat and went north." Uh, I know which way north is. I'll find your boat in the ocean. Yeah. The ocean. Pretty yeah, small place. Big, it's a big ocean, but I mean, I don't know. It was really... It's like it's like the show doesn't have any idea what consequences are, because, like, I don't know. I don't know anything about writing, but I would say that if I were going to have the villain pull one over on the uh, protagonist... I might have actually let the villain succeed, especially since we're so early on that, like, mm -hmm. then any wins that Cora gets later in the season are even bigger. But she just does it. She just gets her dad back, and it's not really... Varric gets to do his hilarious uh, poop gag, pooping money gag. Uh-huh. Just throw the money out of the, the... No, this is why it's a fursuit. Because there's a way for him to put the money through the butt of the, of the platypus bear. There wouldn't be a hole there if it was just a taxidermied animal. You know, it's just a fursuit. It's a fursuit. It's a fursuit. You know those classic horse costumes that take two people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me about them. It's nice. Do those usually have buttholes? I couldn't say. Mm. Oh, also, also, um, uh, Bolin spends this entire sequence uh, in Force Femme. So, as established in the first show, the way in betrothal works in Water Tribe culture is that mm -hmm. the boy gives the girl a necklace. This mm -hmm. was a big plot point in the old show because... Katara's necklace was her grandmother's betrothal necklace. Mm -hmm. um, and so Eska gives Bolin a necklace, which is like a reversal, but also it has a skull on it because she's gone. It's a choker. It's a choker. It, no, it's not. It's a collar. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. And um, are, are the straights okay? Are the streets okay? Marriage isn't about enslaving another person. Y'all, y'all know that, right? Also, did did Eska force him into the dress thing, or did he had his it's... hair done like hers too, right? Mm-hmm. Huh. Someone, someone should tell uh, Bolin. He can just be a girl if he wants to. <laughs> You can just do it, you know? I don't like... I don't. Here's, it's a here's bad. Some, here's some things I don't like. Tell me the things you don't like. Varric and Eska, and all of the plot the plot points associated with them. Mm -hmm. It's all I, bad. It's all bad. Toe to tip. Um, top to bottom. Nip to toe. Uh, uh, the other thing that happens after they free... The boys. Mm -hmm. What do they do after they free the boys? The Tonrock says that um, he'll start a war with uh, the North, 
um, he's going to secede, and um, he sends Cora to go get uh, support for the South from the British, I mean the uh, United Forces. Mm-hmm. In Republic um, City. In Republic City. So presumably we'll meet that president guy in the next episode? Yeah. Um, meanwhile. Meanwhile. Back with Tenzin. He finds Iki. And she's doing a little Toy Story style tea party with four uh, air bison cubs. Cubs? Yeah. Yeah. And what are it's baby adorable. bisons called? Calves? Um, baby bison. Oh, this is just a picture of M. Bison as a baby. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Baby bison are being flown to Siberia to try to save the permafrost. But where are all of the air by daughters? Oh my god. All of the young air bison are named after Iki's My Little Pony OCs. And very nice and sweet. And they realize, oh, like, Iki's like, oh, my siblings are making fun of me. And Tenzin's like, what? No, they're great. And then Iki's like, uh, Kai and Boomy are great. And then Tenzin's like, what? No, they they made fun of me. And that's like chocolate peanut butter, peanut butter chocolate. To, it's all It all meshes together. And they're like... They bond over... Hey, you know how the last episode was heavy-handed? What if this one was, too? What What if it was a big... I don't know. I've lost the train of thought. <laughs> I don't know. It's heavy-handed, but... Um, I thought it was better than the Water Tribe stuff, anyway. Yeah. It's on the nose, but, like... It was mildly engaging, and it was, once again, like, any character work at all, which the show has been really averse to for two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, um. And then they go back. E.K. Recon- uh, reconciles. Reconciles? That's not the word. What am I thinking of? Yeah, Reconciles. Okay, reconciles with her siblings and they go out to play a game. And Tenzin has like a heart to heart with Kaya and Boomy. And that's kind of it. I hope I hope we get Katara's perspective on the Kaya, Boomy, Tenzin. Who? Katara? Who? Uh, Aang's wife, their mother. Um, <laughs> best character of the previous show. Are you familiar with her? I would I would hesitate to ascribe that to Katara, but uh, no, um, Katara doesn't really matter in this show. But like, wouldn't it be cool if she did? Mike Bryan, Mike but, Bryan, would it be like? But if she did, then we'd be complaining about them not leaving the old show behind. That's true. That's true. So, but they're already not doing it. If they're not gonna, <laughs> if they're gonna not do it, they should not do it well. It, Listen, so Katara needs to show up as a ghost and like... She's alive! Burn down she's a... alive! No, she's gonna be like, oh, you th- you're... St- I'm gonna what? burn these books now. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's an extended Star Wars bit that's getting cut. No, don't worry about it. 
Oh my god, it is a Star Wars bit. Um, I'm just going to reference that hilarious Star Wars bit you did later in the episode. because no, we're about to wrap up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have to play a game soon of The Quiet okay. Year. Okay. So, oh, um, I'm going to pull up Twitter. We got two Twitter questions because I just randomly decided to tweet um, that we should get Twitter questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope the typing I've got them out. if you want me to read them. Oh, you've got them? Yeah. You should read them. Okay, I will. Our first question is loading. I got it here. Do you want me to read it? Well, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at it. Like, I could do it. Ah, shit. My phone fucked up. From Marie C. Gold on Twitter, G-O-U-L-D, what is the most obvious social commentary made by the show? Um... I mean, in, in the last episode or in the last season, it's trying to talk about. Um, it tries to talk about marginalized people. It fails. I mean, if I'm being honest, I feel like I feel like the actual most obvious commentary being made by the show is that. It's, I don't know, okay. it's frustrating. Well, here's, I think every season is about somebody challenging the status quo, and those are the villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I feel like this show is... We, it, maybe it's not setting out to do this, but I feel like the most obvious thing that this show is saying is that the status quo is good and systemic change is not only impossible but also unwise and like it's it's really important to note that this show is coming out from like 2012 to 2014 i feel like that is really important to the social commentary that this show is trying to do it was peak obama era media Mm -hmm. everything's fine it ends it ends like a year before trump really really got going i don't know publicly it's the it's the most obama yeah it's it's so it's so frustrating because like the previous show was about um imperialism and it's about um the tibetan occupation and it's about like a lot of stuff and it approaches all that stuff really well and then this show tries to be about now and fails miserably. <laughs> it's interesting when you realize that um, both of them, both of the shows came out in the second half of a of different two term presidencies. Yeah, yeah. Like Last Airbender was very much like second term Bush era, and all. And I never that. thought about it from this before now, but like there are probably. There's probably some influence from the Iraq War on that show. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it for two seconds, you know? Yeah. And yeah, this show, it's very, it's very, like, New York Times. <sighs> yeah. So, on a lighter note, uh, we're going to end the show on a high note. Um, uh, Moth, at Moth on Twitter, a friend of mine, um, asks, Kiss 
Mary, give words of encouragement. Bolin Mako Varek. Okay. You have, have to say something. I, mm -hmm. I have several issues here. Okay. Is the implication that I would not kiss the person I would marry? Well, I mean, so you, you can kiss a person and that's all it is. Whereas like if you marry a person, you're like kissing them frequently. You're relying on them for emotional support. They're relying on you for emotional support. You kiss the person you marry, but like... You don't necessarily marry the person you kiss. Yeah. It's a, it's a square rectangle situation. Or maybe you don't kiss the person you marry. I don't know. But like, I would, personally. I would marry Mako. Interesting. I... Kiss Bolin... And I guess give words of encouragement to Varric, but they wouldn't be nice. I would be scathing <laughs> and Tough love. I would be I would give I would give him the Kratos. That's what I'd do. <laughs> Boy. Uh, so I would marry Varric, I would kiss Varric, and I would give words of encouragement to Varric. There's a part of me that understands the value of marrying rich. <laughs> Look, I, we all know, I'm, I am not secretive about this. I just want a husband who has $50 million. That's all I want in life. That's fair. I'm not going to disrespect that. If anyone listening to the show has $50 million, I'll marry you. Not if I marry I them first. <laughs> I can drive. I can cook and drive. Fuck. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I am 5'10". I'm six feet. I don't know what this has to do with Damn. anything. You can find me on Twitter at Allison underscore, co underscore coffee. Um, I shit post. Um, I depression post. Um, I have feet. Damn, she a podcaster and she got feet? <laughs> Nora, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at neither Nora. You can find me on a bunch of other podcasts also, including uh, Hollow Sweethearts. Soon, I'll be on Babe City. Also soon, I'll be on I Am Here the podcast by Tess of RPG underscore casts. Um, I'm not a like co-host or anything. I'm just going to be appearing on it on May 3rd. That's cool. So check that out. That podcast is going to be great. It's about promoting uh, marginalized voices in the tabletop RPG podcast community. That's awesome. It starts I'm on May 1st. So check it out. Um, and also... I am, I'm also on the Grayscale campaign on Lost Library, which is an actual play hub podcast. I was listening to that while I walked to the place where I record this. It's pretty good. It's a good podcast. Um, you can also support my tabletop development work at patreon.com slash Nora Blake.
You can find the show at White Lotus Pod. And our, uh, I think our DMs are open. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, if you have $50 million, just DM us a marriage proposal. Um, um, are we done? I think What's we're happening? done. Should we tell them to stay flamio? Stay flamio. Stay flamio, Hotman. Um, is that how we end this podcast? Thanks for stopping by. I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>